Welcome back to another episode of the What's the Play podcast. It's your boy Christian, and you know we got a, uh, a new face to the four. We he's not new, no, he's been here, but this is Nate. You know, hey, he he's been on for a couple episodes, but he's back. You know, got Nate back with us. Sports fan Brandon and Caleb not able to make it today, but that's why you know we got such a, a large group of people, so we can still have a good podcast with just the four of us. You know, uh, this is being recorded right as soon as something's in heat game ended. The Celtics are down 0-1. The Lakers lost yesterday, so they are down 0-1. Um, so before we get into the basketball talk, I need you all to do me a favor if you're watching this. Um, I need you all to like, I need you to comment, I need you to subscribe, and I need you to share. I need you to share the video with your mother, your father, your grandfather, your grandma, your aunt, your uncle, your best friend, your girlfriend, your cousin, second cousin, third cousin, and keep telling them to do the same thing. You know, we trying to grow. We're trying to do some big things for you guys, but you got we need you guys to help us as well. So yeah. if you guys could do that for us, that would be great. So now let's get into the basketball talk. Um wanna uh breeze through the, the lottery real quick. The NBA lottery happened yesterday. The uh Spurs came away with the rights to select Victor Wimbenyama. And then the oh, order goes oh. as follows. Well, what do you what do you mean? They, uh, they got the rights what? to select the first pick. Yeah, so they got the rights to select Victor. Okay, but can we just get off for a second? <laughs> can we just please? I mean, the first first pick, Porter's got two, Blazers got three. Um, Rockets got four. Anybody Pistons have any commentary? I, yeah, I feel like once we get closer to draft time, we'll probably be able to give more in-depth analysis. Um, you know, last year we did a, a full draft of the top draft picks coming in. Um, so close to the draft time, we'll give a, a deeper analysis. But of course, everybody knows Victor Wimbayama, the odds-on favorite to go number one. Um, generational talent, as we are told, the Spurs have the opportunity to take him. There is al- also multiple other great prospects in this draft. We got Scoot Henderson, Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, Amin and Asar Thompson, uh, Anthony Black. Uh, you even got Nick Smith, uh, who didn't play as many games at Arkansas, but he's still a bucket. Um, Jairus Walker, so it's, it's a bunch of guys in this class that can make an impact on their team day one, and especially down the line. So this should be a good draft. Anybody have anything they want to add on in terms of what happened yesterday in the draft lottery? Just just from the lottery perspective, um, obviously, uh, I think everybody's big winner was obviously the Spurs because they, they were able to get one of the first two picks. Cause I felt like either way, whether they got – one of those picks, they would be able to fill one of their two big areas of need, which is an impact big and a, and a dynamic um, playmaker. Uh, so being able to get Victor, that's that's huge, obviously, for San Antonio. My biggest losers got to be the Rockets and the Pistons because they both, you know, had top three odds, but they both fell to four and five. So even though there's still, you know, guys there that can um, – there's still guys there that I believe that can impact their teams. Just the fact that they were – you know, they had – the best lottery odds and ended up fall ended up falling behind even a team like Portland who I can't remember what their odds were but if they were seventh then it would uh, coincide with a, a study that J study that JB did you know a little bit earlier go check that out you know what I'm saying but yeah that's that's basically my analysis from the from the draft lottery. Hey, let's let's point out where they can find that uh, study that you're talking about for GB. We gotta put our people on. Where, yeah, JB, where is that? Let them know, man. Let them know. Oh, yeah, y'all can follow me on LinkedIn. Nah, hey, uh, on my LinkedIn at uh, Jalen Brown, um, J L E N. My name's that right there. 
Um, so recent lottery announcements that I just drew up about a month or so ago. Um, basically, get your highlights of every lottery over the past now, I want to say 38 years or so, since 1985 since the lottery started. Um, give you a breakdown of what's been the most valuable picks. Um, you know, one, two, but after that, you know, it's pretty much a crapshoot, but gives you more insight into it. So check it out if you get your free chance. Um, I guess you can add the link below the video. We'll, we'll, we'll put the link in the description for the people that are. It's right here. For sure. Right there. So click that. Yeah, we got to uh, make sure we, we put our own projects on because, you know, we do have a big project coming for you guys as well. Um, but that's more of like a team thing. So like for the individual stuff that we have going, you know, we always want to promote that, uh, especially like with what JB just mentioned, and of course, Brian's articles um, and of course, the, the careers that we have blooming here. Oh, yeah. Blooming. <laughs> Man, all right. Uh, I do want to see this. I caught it. I caught it. I didn't even do that on purpose. I'm shy. No, but, I, did, um, I didn't catch it until you started laughing. That's why I was like, oh, okay. No, I do. I do want to say. Wait, uh, we'll explain it. after the pod. We'll explain, we'll explain, we'll explain later. Later on, JB, okay, we got. We just, got just think about Nate. Just think, think about Nate and how that helped me. But um, I know me and JB were kind of rooting for the top two to be Charlotte and San Antonio. Um, I really did like the fit with Victor and Charlotte and Scoot and San Antonio. But if I'm the Spurs, um, I feel like big and a point guard is of equal need. You can ar honestly argue that they needed a big more than they needed a point guard because um, the younger Jones, Trey Jones, right? I mean, he, he was stable this year. He's not a dynamic point guard like Scoot would be. But um, in comparison... I'd rather have Trey Jones as a point guard than Zach Collins as my starting center. So yeah, I forgot to I mean, say the Spurs. I was gonna ahead. say I just forgot to say when they the reason why the impact big became a became a need was because they moved obviously because they moved Jakob Pertle. If he was still there, I wouldn't be. It, it mm. wouldn't seem as like as much of a need for me. But obviously, you would still take Victor Mbayama even if you had Jakob Pertle. My best CT. Yeah, and so and so the the fit with the Spurs is there, um, but at two. There may be some conversation around if the Hornets decide to take Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson, or if they decide to even trade out of the pick. Because for to this point, it seemed like Scoot was a for sure thing at number two almost. But um, with the Hornets having LaMelo Ball, it may be interesting to see how they feel about pairing another dynamic guard with him. I personally don't feel that the fit would be that bad, but there are people who have other opinions. So, I mean... The Hornets may have this whole plan set that we just don't know. We probably may not know until the day of the draft unless there's a trade made. But I know that I feel that the fit will be okay if you have these two dynamic point guards playing off of each other. But I know Jalen uh, feels differently. You want to elaborate? Um, I, I think it's possible. Like I said, we've seen for the past three or so years, LaMelo and Terry Wizard play together. So it's possible for sure. Um, I just don't know. If you're going to take an investment with a second overall pick, you kind of want to make sure it hits. Um, I agree, drafting for talent or drafting for fit works a lot more when you're at the, you know, the higher end of the lottery. Um, so I don't think it's bad. It won't be a bad pick if they pick Scoop. I prefer if it was a different situation. Like how you are yeah. with Victor and Charlotte and Scoot in San Antonio. Um, it would kind of both, they both have that free range to kind of have the ball in hands a lot more. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Selfishly, selfishly for Scoot, I would honestly prefer him to be in a different situation. Yeah. Simply because I feel like him playing with LaMelo may limit 
the numbers upside he may put up in his first few years. But um, if I'm Charlotte, I'm, like if I'm this bad, you cannot draft for fit, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Like at this point, you literally have to draft for talent because, and if you don't, say Brandon Miller is the pick, and then like what what's the upside with the team going forward? Like you need that that guy, and I feel like Scoop. It's really like head and shoulders of the rest of the prospects right after Victor. Yeah. And that may just be my yeah, – I don't really have him and Brandon Miller graded closely at all. And there's still work more to be done. But um, I don't think the prospect comparison between them two is close. I feel like you can make an argument if the – you can make the argument for them to take Brandon Miller if they were, like, close – if you have a close grade on them. But I just don't have that close of a grade on them for them to take Brandon Miller over Scoot Henderson. Do you have both of the Thompson twins over uh, Brandon Miller? I do not. No, I, mean, I still. I think I have Brandon three. Okay. But the gap between two and three, I would say and this may sound crazy. The gap between one and two, being Victor and Scoop, in my opinion, is smaller than the gap between two and three. And I don't know if that's mm-hmm. right or not. You know, yeah, we got some. Yeah, got some ball I can see, here, I can see what so. you're saying. I'm but I'm a big scoop guy. I've been a big scoop guy since he got to G League Ignite. Um, I I wasn't. I was almost on the scoop better than Vic train, but I I watched a couple of Vic games and I took that back pretty quickly. But I am still a big scoop guy, so I I would have him closer graded to Vic than I would have Brandon Miller graded to Scoop. I think I agree with you there because I think it's always been a one A one B with him and with uh Scoot and Vic, obviously. But obviously, most people would say, obviously, you're not going to take one B in this situation just because Victor is that uniquely talented from what people say. Um, before, I know yeah. Nate hasn't had a chance to go yet, but I just wanted to ask. Um, we had, there's been reports, obviously, that Portland is looking to trade their third pick for, I guess, a player that would help um, increase their chances of, you know, competing for competing, at least trying to become a contender, because I can't even say competing for a championship with a straight face. Um, but, oh, if Scoot, uh, but if Scoot is there at three, um, do you think it might tempt the uh, Portland front office? If Scoot, here's the thing, though, with Portland. like It's one or the other in terms of what the future is. If you draft three, you trade Lillard. If you keep Lillard, you trade number three. I don't think you can have both, right? Right. I feel like the third pick, like if you feel if they select the third pick, that's just a sign automatically. Okay, we're here to rebuild. This is like the new, I say cornerstone, but this is this is the reboot, right? Um, I think this is the perfect time for Portland to move on with Dame if they if they want to keep that pick. I don't, I don't think it's one other. You're not going to get someone from this draft, like especially considering how you know the tempo that this top five has. Um, that's instantly going to push you into playoff contention. Like, and then also in the same breath, I don't know how much Portland can get better to the point where they become a playoff team despite having a third pick, considering what their roster looks like right now. I think they can become a competitive playing team. Um, but given the given where they are, given the age of the roster, given the inexperience of the roster, um, I feel like the best bet for them right now is they have. They have the trade capital now to to not only you know either move Dame and get a good return or I guess do the third thing. I'm I'm of the belief that I'm of the belief that they trade Dame, and I think you just have good and you can get you can get back good capital for the future. 
Um, yeah, but that's what I said. Do you? Move- I'm hoping they do the same thing. Oh, go ahead, Brian. I was just going to ask, do you try to move guys like Nurkic and Grant too and just completely blow it up? Or are you just is it just move Dame yeah. and see what you can get? That's for I'm hoping they oh, okay. I'm hoping they do. But um the way Dame is talking, the way Portland has moved in the past, it easy to believe that they won't be so enthusiastic about doing a complete rebuild. Like, we've seen that some of these teams are just so content with being mediocre. Um, and Dane can act like he wants to win all he wants, but if he just keeps coming back to Portland and that well isn't running dry because he's going to keep getting that money. But um, mm-hmm. my thing with, my thing with uh, if Portland ends up staying at three, this is probably the best chance they're going to get to draft, like, mm-hmm. that guy, their, their number one guy. Because if you look at the next coming draft classes – um, especially the the next one coming up, that draft class is especially in comparison to this one. Like I don't know if it's really that bad as people are, are making it seem, but when you compare it to this draft class, it just looks awful. Um, the ceiling isn't like they're saying. Yeah, it's like you're they're saying you're drafting role players with the third, second pick almost. Um, and this in Portland, as bad as they were this year, they're not. It's not as likely that they're going to continue being this bad. You know. So this is honestly probably their best situation to get a high draft pick and hit on somebody for the future. If they were smart, that's what they would do and commit to a rebuild. Because if you get a guy like Scoot, Brandon Miller, you you could tr- and you already have Shade and Sharp. You got Anthony Simon, depending on who you draft. It's like the pieces are there for you to be a decent team within the next few years and actually make a run with the pieces you have. But if you just want to commit to trying to get it done, making a place for life, then you're just going to be stuck where you are. You know? I mean, playing is cool. Man. It'll sell tickets, but, like, what's the upside? Yeah, because Anthony, Jaden, that third pick, and then what you can get back with Dame is good. Like, also, Anthony is on a team-friendly deal for the next three years. Like, I think now is the time where it's, okay, let, and also, Shaden Shaden turned it around at the end of the season. He really started coming to his own when he was starting game. Yeah. Um. They they have to answer. Like I don't. It's it's in like as a lead guard last year when Anthony was uh when Anthony was a lead guard on that t- in those games he had like he had twenty eight and six mm. on what forty six percent shooting and yeah and forty and also forty percent from like they have the answer to to. Uh, what to do this off season? It's right there. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't think it's overthinking. I know the Portland GM is adamant about you know tickets and whatnot, and Dame is gonna sell tickets. But um, like, at what point does that become just a excuse for mediocrity? I think it's time to to. That's what we see a lot. That's what we see a lot. I was I was also gonna say that I think if there's ever a time of game date, like they're in the position to do so, and and any other previous year, considering uh, them getting the third pick. Yeah, I think this is one of the few times we're all in agreement. Um, it's time. It's time. I know Dame is locked in with Modelo and Tiso and Hulu, but come on, brother, it's, give it, you got the bag. You got the bag. I respect it. Move on. Um, he gave it ten years. It was good. Um, I feel like, like you said, Anthony Simons is already there. You got a, you know, the point guard you can see for the next few years. 
uh, Sabre Sharp soon enough. Um, Faye York, Nurkic also he should be gone. Um, Jeremy Grant, good vet, could be gone also. Um, still got Nasir a little. He got a little bit of talent left in him also. I think about who else. Personally, the third pick, I think if Scoot is there, I'll let y'all also talk about this too, but if Scoot is there, I don't know if you, well, don't know if you take him. Because of Simons and Sharp? Oh, Simons is already there. I think you trade down one or two picks, get one of the uh, Thompson twins, kind of build your draft capital a little bit within this draft. Um, and then also trade Dame, a little more, like I said, more capital up, um, make some moves that way. I just don't think Scoot, Anthony Simons already there. It's, it's too much. There's no need for confusion with a rebuild. It's early, you know. Um, but Brandon Miller's there. I say the same thing. I don't believe Brandon Miller's going to. I don't think he got it. <laughs> I just don't think he got it. I just, I, I feel like if Brandon Miller is there, they probably sprint the card in simply because, you know, the positions are, are set. You know, Anthony at the one, Shaden at the two, Brandon Miller at the three. And you can just, like, Scoot, it would be a little bit more confusion, like you said. Because, like, who's playing guard, who's playing off the ball. Um, and you, and we've seen, like Nate just mentioned, Anthony put up crazy numbers this year when he was a lead guard, whenever, when Dame got hurt. Um, so it's like you kind of want to see him in that role still. Mm-hmm. But um, we, we could see something like we saw with Trey Young at Luka a few years ago where, uh, you know, Atlanta makes the pick for Luka and they end oh, up yeah. trading it um, for whoever, whatever prospect they end up wanting. And they yeah. get additional draft capital with that. But um, another thing we can move on. It's a great example. Yeah. Uh, another thing, another thing we can say about Portland is at this point, I mean, Dame is always going to have decent trade value, but this is probably the best you're going to get because you're starting to see the injuries may start to pile up. He's a smaller guard. Uh, it's not like he's a six four guard. I mean, he's an elite shooter, but I mean, he is a smaller guard. So if the injuries continue to pile up, that trade value is going to drop. So, I mean, Portland may just have to tell Dame, like, yeah, we had a good run, you know? They can't wait for him to tell him, tell them, honestly, you know? He doesn't it's, want It's to. not, you know, that, I mean, that's all it has to be, you know? For the best of their organization, in order to maximize the trade value, this is the year because, I mean, you have desperate teams out there. Philly's desperate, you know? Um, Miami, depending on how the series go, they may be desperate. New York, who knows? They may be desperate. I don't know how the fit is there. Brooklyn, they may be desperate. You, you know, who knows with that ownership group? But there's a lot of desperate teams out there who may be looking to add that superstar who can help com- help them compete. So, um, no. Anybody else have uh, anything they want to add before no. we uh, we can talk about the conference finals? Well, another uh, topic before that, but we, we, Man. only thing I was going to say was oh. that I agree. Oh, I. Huh? Go ahead. No, I was saying there was something else. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, I, I think J, JB made a great point. I also think you made a great um example with the Luca um trade yeah. trade, like Jalen said. Um, but I think, yeah, I think, I mean, we know Houston's looking to trade from four. So if you're Portland and Scoot's on the board, I think you have a better chance of negotiating a trade with them potentially. Mm. Get your GM cap on. What do you, I mean, who do you get back though on that trade? Like, fourth pick and what? 
I think it's more I'm about gonna, just getting four and draft capital, like you said earlier. I don't I don't okay. think you're getting a specific player back in that trade. Because you're only yeah, trading. I'm asking for Tari Eason. If you can get Deshaun Tate. I'm asking for Tari Eason. You're not getting Tari Eason. Tari Eason and four. I know that, Tari. but is, is Houston that smart, though? I think Houston, I think Houston and, would make them bluff if they asked for Tari Eason. You know, if That's they say we'll give know. you... Because think, think about what Houston wants. If you tell Houston, is Jeremy Grant a free agent? No. No. If you tell Houston, we'll give you three and Jeremy Grant, and you give us four Tari Eason and somebody else to make the contracts match, you may they be might, able to They might do that. Houston thinks they, they are competing, though, because they think they're going to go into free agency and pick up some people for them. Like, yeah. Oh, and they no, don't have their Jeremy, Jeremy, Grant, Jeremy Grant's a free agent. He's a, he's a free he is, agent. I thought so. Okay. Either way, so, yeah. if you can offer somebody and maybe trick them into giving a valid prospect with, in addition to the fourth pick, you know, and then you can just sit at four and take a Thompson twin, um, Cam Whitmore, maybe Jarris Walker, Cam Whitmore. I don't know if he goes that early, but you know, some people have him going five to Detroit, so that's the only reason why I brought him up. Really? Ooh. Well, the Detroit fit is crazy because they already have two guards, so they make just reach on. A, I mean, Cam, a Cam is more of a, a wing considering forward a three. type of player. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm saying if the Thompson twins are there at five, they probably won't take one of them. Yeah, because they already have. Those I don't know. I don't guards. think. I think one of them is slipping past five. I think Ahmed's gonna go. Amen. Or, um, I meant Thompson's gonna go top three. Yeah, whichever but, whichever one. Yeah, but I say whichever one of the Thompson twins is projected to be a lead guard. He's he's like been like pick, that's pick three, pick four. Amen. Yeah. And then the other one Asar's is like range pick seven. Is, yeah. From what I've seen, it's so really Asar depends on the team. Um, at five, I don't see him going to Detroit, and so you can go from there. With him. I can see the Pacers. I think the Pacers would be a good fit for him. Yeah, the, pa- yeah, the Pacers are the ones where he's getting mocked to. Yeah. The Pacers I like, get I like a, him on Indiana. They, they get one of those every draft. It's, it's been seen. No, but he, he's ends. a perfect. He's, like he's, he's like a connected type of player. Like, Amos is the, the lead guard, right? He's projected to be a point guard. Um, or just somebody that's like, you know, ball down. But I said the bare minimum is like, He's a connector. He can play. He's like a good off-ball player. I feel like that will be his rejection early on as a lead. Um, yeah, definitely. He's he's like a slightly better shooter, but I mean, thirty percent is not really. Not yeah, neither of them can shoot. That's the only issue. Yeah. yeah. A men's a yeah. men is like, yeah, a men is really, a jump shot is really bad. Asar string, stringing it together a little bit, but um, he's yeah. there too. Um, I guess if you're Indiana. Say it again. I said, we've seen this before. We've seen this with Paul George. We've seen it with Jalen Brown. Figure it out. We've also seen it with Stanley Johnson. We've also and seen Josh it, Jackson. it with uh, Josh. Yeah. Josh so, I mean, there's there's good and bad examples of these wings who can't shoot but can defend, you know? I want to yeah, stay on the lookout, y'all, because I have a project about that coming up, the exact same topic. Mm. That. Mm, I mean, Paul George, huh? Paul George could shoot in college. Uh, Paul George could shoot in college, though. I don't no. know. That. Look at the numbers. He shot 40% from three. He shot, he shot 40, 40% from three at San Diego. You, you, or, I'm sorry, at Fresno. at Fresno. JB probably looking at the rookie year numbers, though, because he could not shoot once he got into the league. 
But oh yeah, that's, that's, that's a different story. He got twenty nine point seven rookie year. Let me see in college. Hold on. I keep talking though. I'm college. Back. In college, but, uh, Brian, Brian, you can move us on. Uh, next topic. Okay. I think that was a good talk on the draft. I think in our hearts, we may just be a draft podcast, you know. But maybe, maybe. we do got to talk about the. No, you gotta real, talk about the current thing. the current uh topics that are going on. Yeah. I was about to say, but we got you know, we got a few drafts to come up. You know, we got the conference we got the, you know, playoff draft in a few few episodes from now probably, and then of course NBA draft doing a doing another another draft next year. Hopefully bringing you know, hopefully again I'll have I'll have the best team, but we'll talk about that later. Um, mm. But from one but from one, you know, basketball point guard of the future to a current Current player potential, you know, face of the NBA right now, uh, John Moran. Yep. You know, got into, yep. you know, got. I don't want to say got into some trouble. I want to put it. Um, had some had some events happen over the over the week. No, no, nothing happened to him. <laughs> what you introduced to JB? What he did was, <laughs> boy, that thing got waved it around. That's what happened, right? So. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I didn't say he I mean, accidentally. Uh, I was just trying to figure out how, every, to, how to dress it. Dress it. Every it. everyone's everyone has seen the video, so it's not like we have to break it down for people. You That's know, a good point. Job was doing it again. Um, Demetrius, you know, did it, man. yeah, Demetrius did it again. Um, <laughs> only thing I don't like is the whole. Well, this isn't the only thing I don't like, but I didn't like how Adam Silver came on TV and acted like that. It wasn't clearly. Um, it was like he he came on TV and said, uh, "We're gonna we're gonna do a full investigation. Oh, yeah, we're gonna yeah. do first. <laughs> like clearly, you have eyes. You can see what it is. Nobody photoshopped it. But um, thing with Ja is, you know, he gave this whole spill like like it was like a few weeks ago about how he was admiring the change he was making in himself. You know, he wasn't on all the blogs every morning. Um, and it's like at this point." I don't know if Memphis next couple years. I think Brian has said something about this before, but if, for the next couple years, Memphis won't really be able to trust him, like just to be a person outside of their organization. Because luckily enough, he hasn't brought it to the locker room, to our knowledge, you know. But like every all these shenanigans that he has, uh, brandishing a weapon. Uh, the first time he was in Denver, so there was like. Did he have it on the plane? And, you know, he, he avoided that. We don't know if he actually did or not, but he avoided that. And now he's just in the car. His, his friend is on Instagram Live. And and it's like, dude. And it's like people can make the argument that everybody else, if guns are legal, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, the NBA, like anything that's detrimental to their brand, they can bring down the punishment of the law on whoever is damaging their brand. And at this point, Ja is bringing a bad image to their brand from their perspective. Um, and it's like, at some point, he just has to grow up. I mean, I don't know what else there is to say. You can suspend him. I mean, clearly that first suspension didn't didn't do anything. You know, he, he went to therapy, um, claimed he had alcohol issues. So I, I mean, we don't know what the, what the issues are now. Hopefully he gets it figured out. You know, I'm still rooting for him. You know, I don't, he's a great talent. I hope he does get it figured out, but we'll probably be without John Morant highlights for like the first 15, 20, 25 games next season. 
Maybe more than that. Yeah. I was going to say, for me, um, as Christian alluded to, I remember on a former episode when we talked about Ja, um, I think I said something to the degree of, like, I, even, I think it was right after the Jalen Rose interview. I, I was like, I, obviously we all believe what he was saying. Nobody was like, it wasn't trying to be skeptical or anything, but I was like, I don't think his word, his words won't ring, not ring well. What am I trying to say? I didn't think that um, everybody would, everybody would just kind of see it as him just kind of like doing kind of a press tour or whatever, just, you know, saying things to sound, to sound yeah. like he was making change. And I felt like people, there were people that weren't going to believe him immediately so i said something to the effect of he probably would have to finish out the rest of that season and then all of next season without getting in trouble or doing anything um that could get that could warrant you know um anything i didn't think that it would be like a repeat offense or anything but just he had to he basically had to stay clean clean of anything and you know stay clear of um all all uh, potential situations for people to believe his to believe his um, words were true. Um, obviously, I think we're all disappointed that this happened again. Um, I understand um, everybody having the he didn't break a law thing, um, but I got something to say about it. Uh, actually, you, you that's a great uh, segue to okay, the ahead, last one. I just I really yeah. like thought about, and this is more or less. This is more or less about. I don't know. It's about job, but more so how this country perceives guns. Like, I don't know. I, I think there's a. I look at the media and I raise an eyebrow. And first off, let me just start off by saying what job did was like irresponsible, and the punishment he's getting is quote unquote deserved because at the end of the day, he still works for an employer and how he conducts himself. In a public matter, he's a public figure. Will reflect badly on his employer, so they will punish him, and that is understandable. What I don't get, though, is, and again, the, the, I mean, this argument become can become point and mute uh, if if Jot is actually dealing with something beyond just him flashing a gun and something, you know, deeper that we, the public, are not aware of. But the media's. Uh, the media's coverage of this has been very, very tiring and very, very uh, critical for the simple fact that it's very normalized on this country where you can have representatives um, of our U.S. government go on social media and those who are very, you know, loud and about the Second Amendment, like, post a photo of them with, like, an AR-15. You know what I mean? Like, there's... there's, there's uh, there's that line that for, or there's that dichotomy that for some reason goes out the window because it's a black man posing with a handgun versus like a representative um, from some county and I mean, forgive me for you know doing this but from some county in a southern state um, posing with his family like having his child like holding a gun talking about like my my son is going to be or my daughter is going to be you know. Um, and having protected the Second Amendment and so on and so forth. So I just, I find that part really, really annoying. Um, and that's more a reflection of like how guns um, are sadly normalized in this country to the point where there's actually on top more guns in the U.S. than number of inhabitants in the United States. Uh, so, I mean, there you go. Like, I, if anything, I feel like, I feel like Moran. And I know people are starting to say, like, you know, it's not Ja 
there's other crowd around others probably maybe God's own, but I feel like Brant is more so uh, a casualty of like this country's infatuation with guns. But again, because of his celebrity, um, and Sally has defined, but most importantly, like Sally his skin color. He's not like the visual representation of gun ownership that this country will seek out. You know what I mean? Like I feel like gun ownership in this country, at least the media will be will go into a frenzy if it's uh, a white person. Oh, they will. I mean, it depends where you see it, but you don't get this outcry if, to this degree if you know somebody else that doesn't look like John Morant uh, flashes a gun. He's not even like again. I'm not excusing his behavior, but he's not flashing like an assault rifle. It's a handgun, but you know. I'm not surprised. It's the country we live in, but yeah. No, I'd, again, I'm gonna also reiterate, he should be punished. But let's just—I feel like some people are just jumping the gun with their reactions. No, I agree with your point. I think again, as you as you've highlighted, as everybody's highlighted about the NBA being a private company, I think Bomani Jones put it perfectly when he said the things that can get some of the things that can get you elected is also things that can get you fired. So, only problem mm. here is that obviously mm. you're going by. The expectations are different, and I agree with you when you talk about that double standard. And also, as he pointed out, um, if it's people that are um, that would support the, that would support those um, officials who are doing that and Second Amendment rights, but are quick to come out come down on job for that, then obviously the hypocrisy is is heavy, and that needs to be talked about as well. Um, no, I mean I, I agree with um, everything they said. Honestly, um, they summed it up very well. I believe that the job situation, um, the fact that he had the gun in the club, possibly on the airplane, just in the car, it's a little bit different. Um, also, you got to add in the rap element and how that looks just over the course of the last 40 years. Yeah, um, It's going to be perceived very differently than just anybody having a gun. Um, I think he needs help. Oh, I think he's just 23. Um, I think that's pretty much all of this. And just, you know, and coming to new money and fame and that. I mean, you said, we said it before. It's the same thing. Cause he hasn't changed. I didn't think he changed when he went to Florida, wherever he went to, to get rehabilitated. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like we, we see him drinking Casamigos. It's not like, oh, his alcohol problem. Like, no, he's 23. He can drink that. <laughs> You know, we got three lit men in our, in our group chat right now. So we understand how that is sometimes. You know what I'm saying? It is what it is. But he's got to suffer the consequences. Where did, you, where did you just get that number from? I just pulled it out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> we probably do consider how many people we got. Probably three. It's probably about three. You know what I'm saying? Around <laughs> there. Um, <laughs> but uh, we are similar. Hey, y'all are similar in age to John Moran. Oh no, you. <laughs> yeah. Y'all are similar in age to John Moran. So I mean, y'all can understand what he's going through. No, I, I, right get, um, I get JB's point as well. Yeah, you the same age. What you mean? <laughs> Not for long. But um, I do. I just got here, man. <laughs> I do. I do feel like that. I think everybody just expects him to be smarter at this point. It's like the first time. Okay, okay, all right. Just like me. <laughs> all right, yeah, all right, John, you got us. All right, you got us. You missed, you missed your fifteen. Like, let's be smarter now. But um, he did it again. And the issue is, I can almost understand if he like 
didn't see that his friend was on Instagram Live or whatever. Exactly. But he, like, the clip is like 30 seconds long. He didn't pull the gun out until about 12 he, seconds to it. Right. He was. Look at the, the camera. camera. was on him. Camera was off of him. It's all, he tried to put me? the camera down. <laughs> like, I mean, we just expected him to be smarter at this point. Like, I'm sure Memphis isn't, like, going through it right now because they don't know how they're supposed to move because this is the face of their franchise and he's just not moving like somebody who you would want to commit to long term you know and they already did so mm. it's like what are where we go from here because i mean clearly they're not going to cut him um i doubt they put him up for trade talks but who knows it's the nba you never know but it's like we're about to be missing out on our best player for at least 15 20 25 you guys said maybe more and it, it almost tanks the season next year because I mean we may not view Memphis as contenders, but they were the second seed in the West. Exactly. So next year is well within their window to compete in this conference. Oh, Do they bring back the soul of the team? <laughs> no, nah, I mean it's Curry's over there. I don't, I don't, I don't think he's gonna be there. Uh, it ain't happening. I like I I but there's three teams in my mind that I think they'll go to. I think it's gonna and they're all in the West. They're all in the same division actually. I think it's either gonna be Golden State, Lakers, or the Suns. I don't think I, I, don't I, think I will, the best si- I will sign up to see Golden State. I will sign up for Golden State because I gotta see how that's how that's gonna work out. It's unlikely, but I just Draymond on the pod the first day. I, I'm just like. It it depends. Honestly, I think him going to the Warriors is indicative of um like it, it feels like a take up, right? Because that new CBA is gonna kill the Warriors because they've dipped into the luxury tax so much that it's gonna hinder their ability to prove their roster. But if somehow some way he takes a vet minimum, I can see the Warriors being aggressive on Orlando. Okay. So I'm gonna move back to Jar real quick. I don't want to take up too much more time because we do still have, you know, a little bit more to talk about, but uh, just from, just from what I remember. So, uh, what was I gonna say? So we talked about the obviously, like CT just said, they've signed up for the long term. I think I don't want to belabor the point. That was what I was gonna say. I don't want to belabor the point about obviously like the friends and his dad and things of that nature, like the media's been talking about all the time, because we obviously don't know the dynamics. Um, people have ideas of that dynamics, obviously, but we don't know. If Jaws friends have tried to talk to him, or if you know if he's if he's influencing them, if they're influencing him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't want to touch too much on that. I just and I know we a lot of people have talked about obviously um, the financial factors. We've even talked touched on it a little bit on on the um, pod in terms of him losing forty million um, because he missed the All NBA team, and we think that that's partially because obviously the allegations. Um, but I I kind of thought about Christian's point when we were talking about Lamar Jackson and how like the franchise tag doesn't mean it wouldn't the difference in franchise tag money wouldn't mean as much to him because he's already made some millions and he's already uh, got endorsements and things. So my question is, well, not my question, but well, I guess from a rhetorical standpoint, the question is like, does did y'all really does did y'all really care about the forty million dollar difference? Because to me, it seems like he's it to me, it seems like the way he the way he went about things, um, maybe partially felt he, he 
I don't want to say he felt like he was invincible, but obviously, like you guys said, being able to skate the first time, not getting as harsh of a penalty, and then kind of going out and doing the same thing again and then getting in trouble. I mean, I don't... I think the biggest thing is just... I. We probably need to stop looking at this from maybe a financial standpoint and maybe look at this more from just a personal standpoint. Um, I'm not trying to psychoanalyze Ja or anything like that, but I do think people have a good point when they say that um, Ja should really start thinking about what's going on here just because if people, if people do, especially in the Memphis area, if people think that you know he's trying to be someone that he's not, and you know somebody comes and tries to test him there we may not there may not be a John Morant so just i know that's like really extreme obviously and that may be part of the viewpoint just because like Nate said it's a it's a black man with a gun and you know people see it and they think that that's what could happen but i i just know there are a lot of people that have said we should probably start stop looking at you know the financial aspect of what he's missing and probably start looking at just the personal because there may be people that might try to test him and see if they believe that he's trying to portray something that he's not basically mm, spoken like a true journalist there <laughs> uh, I mean test him only thing I see testing him is not like testing this gangster I don't think that's what it is. It's just he's throwing up crib. That's the only thing for someone with testimony, I think. Not because he has a gun. I'm like, we know how many TU uh, people, types of people, just will come around and have guns just to have a gun. Um, I don't even try to test them. Now, throwing up crib, man. <laughs> that's a whole other story. But, um, I mean, it works in tandem. In, in a way, in a way, I, I think guns are just very common compared to. Okay. Yeah, but I know it's real. They are, but it. They are, but it's not like he is taking pictures of them just laid out on his desk. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. whenever he has them, it's like he's holding them like, oh, don't mess with me. I'm gonna use it. Like you know, you know people like that. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm saying it works in tandem. You know, if he's he's in the video holding up the gun, and then. He's also in a basketball game and he, he he dunks and then he throws up crip. It works in tandem, you know. It does work in tandem. But uh, we can move on from Jock if we want to, you know. Hope hope he gets whatever it is figured it out. Hopefully he moves smarter going forward. Um, but yeah. yeah. Now we want to touch on uh, conference finals. Yes. Yep. So start with uh Lakers. Start with Lakers Nuggets. Let's not talk about Lakers. Yeah, let's start with Lakers Nuggets. So, yeah, yeah, let's start with Nate since Nate is the the resident Lakers fan on the on the episode. Oh, uh, probably start, let's start with our predictions yeah. first, and then like give our analysis oh, for a game. Oh. Just so, just so everybody knows where what we're picking. I don't. Oh, gosh, uh, before the series, I said. I said Lakers in seven. Um, I, I sort of hesitated the time. Now for game one, I'm I'm so much sure like about if either team will win because I think 
and I guess this goes into like a review of game one, but uh, like I thought LA definitely found something in terms of how to guard that uh, Denver offense, and at least they found a way to, you know, somewhat contain Jokic while letting maybe play that, you know, destructive role. Maybe role that he does so well, and I think it put a toll on that um, on that offense. Uh, still going to stick with Lakers in seven, even. Um, and I think they, you know, they should feel good going into game two. Uh, yeah. Does anybody else have anything to add? I'm still trying to like construct my thoughts, but Notice. that's my initial. Yeah. Do you want to go, JB? Or... I wouldn't get worried. Never mind. Go see. I was, I was just gonna say, I, I I wouldn't get worried. Um, I do also have Lakers in seven. This is a game that Nuggets were supposed to win. Like the Nuggets almost have to win both of these games for uh me to feel worried about my prediction. But I will say that the way that the Nuggets have been hitting shots all playoffs, like eventually you would think that it would slow down, but um it didn't look like it was going to, especially in this game one. Of course, they're at home, so home court advantage. They shoot uh, well at home. They always shoot yeah, well. Shooting on them home rims, uh Romy goes better than shooting away. But um, the way that the Lakers were guarding Jokic in the first half, I doubt they would try to go back to that. They'll probably use AD more in that help defense role like Nate was saying. So going forward, I think maybe the Lakers have something figured out to try to limit Jokic. You're not going to stop him. This is one of the best, if not the best player in the league. But, um, but you also have to know that Jokic is also one of the smartest players in the league. And this isn't like some rare defense he's never seen before. They A lot of teams do this where they put their four on him and let the five roam. Um, this is the defense the Celtics ran last series against uh, Joel Embiid. Um, so Jokic is one of the smartest players in the league and is one of the p- best passing big men out of the league. It'll be hard to double him consistently in the playoffs, especially if the Nuggets are shooting like this. Now, you can say all you want about the Lakers' defensive adjustment, but if they're continuing to shoot 50%, even 45 40% from three, It'll be hard to continue to have AD help in Rome if uh, Jokic is going to find the open man every time. He can he can rack up 15 assists a game easy just doing that. What did he have yesterday? 13? 12, I think. 12, no, 12. he had 14. He had 14. He had 14. Yeah. If, if he's getting 14 assists and they're knocking down those shots, they're going to be really hard to beat. So, I mean, the Lakers got to figure something out. They got to figure out the lineups because I don't like the starting lineup they ran out there yesterday, but I also don't know what adjustment you make, especially to keep team chemistry high, because I think most of us that may feel that maybe good. D'Angelo Russell is better suited. D'Angelo Russell is better suited coming off the bench, but is he okay with that? We don't know. Um, they just have to be okay with it. Um, and maybe get Rui in the starting lineup or Vando. I don't really like Vando starting just because that offensive liability with him. And, you know, Shorter's not the best shooter. Yeah. So I, I feel like that limits offense way too much if you start him and Schroeder. Um, I feel like Rui can create his own shot. So I, I would go Rui. But, I mean, I can understand why Vando simply for defense. But if, if I'm the Lakers, I, I'd make an adjustment to try to outscore Denver in this next game. Um, so starting Vando, I think you might you might put yourself in a hole if, uh, if they get out to a quick start. Because as good of a defender he is, he's not chasing everybody around the three-point line, you know? Yeah, I didn't get to see what Draymond said about um, Vando playing, but I think if you start Vando, 
um, then you're probably moving Dennis Schroeder back to the bench. You probably have Braun as your one, Reeves two, and then Rui, Vando, and um, AD. But um, I, have, I have Lakers in six. I still have them in six. Um, I know that's that's that requires them obviously winning game two or game five. But I think it's it's a possibility, especially if um, Denver doesn't make the necessary adjustments from game one. Um, as we as everybody's basically already said, Jokic basically had his way in the first half. In the second half, they allow AD to roam a little bit more, and then Jokic seemed a little bit more passive, especially in the fourth quarter, which was surprising to me because there were times, like I know one time he like passed. I think Aaron Gordon had somebody sealed under the basket, so he tried to like mm. pass it to him right there. I would just thought he would have been better off shooting a shooting a turnaround fade or a hook or something, and you know just getting easy too. Um, if I'm Denver, the the adjustment I probably make is. On that strong side, I'm probably putting MPJ in the corner because I know he's a good shooter. Because it seemed like they were just what they what um LA was doing while having Anthony Davis roam. He was basically responsible for Eric Gordon, and it seemed I mean Aaron Gordon, not Eric Gordon, Aaron Gordon, and it seemed like um they were basic. They're basically I think LA's game plan for Game Two is going to be basically dare Aaron Gordon to beat us. So if but if I'm Denver because of how like stale their offense basically got. I'm obviously keeping Murray and Jokic at the top of the key, but I'm having MPJ on the strong side corner. I'm having Aaron Gordon on the weak side corner, and I'm having um, KCP at the weak side corner. So that way, Jokic has room to operate on the strong side, and AD has to make a decision between whether or not he's going to play, he's going to stay on MPJ, or if he's going to double Jokic every time. Now, now that might be a situation where LA's like we'll live with MPJ beating us, but that's just that would be the adjustment that I was thinking about um, if I was Denver that, potentially doing. That sound that sounds good in theory, but that is that operates as if Anthony Davis is guarding Michael Porter, and I don't think I think they're gonna put Anthony Davis on whoever the four is. Um, I do think Denver may have to limit Aaron Gordon's minutes if he's not uh, capable of knocking down the shots consistently. Because Anthony Davis doesn't have to be on the strong side with Michael Porter. They can have whoever over there. Anthony Davis can help from the weak side. Then you still have to have Aaron Gordon knocked down a shot. So Denver may have to get Jeff Green for minutes. But even then, those aren't those aren't the, the shooters that are going to kill you in a game. So Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, those guys are going to have to knock down the shots, you know. Because um, at this point, you can't just let Jokic get a free pass to the room no matter who's on him. You've seen he was bullying AD. He'll bully Rui. He'll bully Vando. So, I mean, it'll it'll come down to Aaron Gordon knocking down shots, Jeff Green knocking down shots, um, and then maybe getting some actions where you get KCP, a more reliable shooter to the corner, maybe get AD out of that that whole area. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Aaron Gordon, he had a pretty decent series last series, but he, he has to be the – I don't want to say 15 point per game. I mean, what did Nate say? Didn't they say they Aaron Gordon could last, be a last series? I don't know. Uh, but Aaron Gordon might have to drop 14. You might have to. Be the biggest, biggest factors on those team on that team for sure. Um, I, I thought something was really on my fault. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Nate. I'll, I'll go at you. From what was really telling me with Denver's media time today, um, not only Coach Malone, but some of the players expressed that, like, 
after watching the film, like they, they there's a belief amongst them that that they were, you know, someone of views that the the notion of like, oh, the Lakers are getting that because they figured out like saw Jokic and Malone straight up said we've like we've seen this before. We have a smart defender on Jokic, and um, so at least it frees like other teams' big men. Like you saw it, in, you saw it with Minnesota. Like you've seen that at times when they play uh, Philly, right? Like PJ, you know, beyond a. Tuck would be on, especially in the regular season matches because you're like Tuck would be on uh, Jokic at times to free up and be to let him, you know, play help a little bit more. Um, the thing that was that's interesting, I, goes back to Gordon though, is a lot of talk how they have remedy that in the regular season would, would be having Gordon in the dunker spot, right? And it worked well, like, I, but the, I forgot, like, the, I think, like, for possession, they averaged, like, over 1.5 points with that when when Jokic beat guard Bradley Faller and the game of the concern though at least last game or game one was that um in those minutes in the second half where Gordon was in the dunker squad they didn't score a single time uh so that's something to watch out for so it's it's really just going to be like a war of trips and like I, just, I wonder what Michael Warren has up his sleeve if the you know, if that simple fix of having Gordon more than Tiger's spot will work out. And a like eighty said he's got his work cut out for him because he has to career on but also at the same time states that to Gordon, but he did a good job of that already in game one. So it'll be a continuation there. But we'll see. There it might be a different adjustment that we that we're not considering. Yeah. I feel like I feel like the reason the dunker spot for Aaron Gordon may not work in this specific series because A D is one of the few bigs in the game who can play help and play the dunker. I mean the, the person ready for the drop off pass. Um, so that's why, I mean, you can try to say Aaron Gordon could just sit in the corner and keep AD out there, but until he hits, they're not going to respect him out there, and that's how LA came back. Because until you make Anthony respect you as a shooter, he, he can just help on Jokic's drive every time. And they got to hit They got to hit shots. That's all it really comes down to. I don't think that response is going to be the move for this series. They may try it, and it, it may work. But um, to win... Four out of the seven games, I think Aaron Gordon or somebody, whoever is that fifth starter, is going to have to knock down those shots. Now, I don't disagree with what you're saying, Christian. My my whole, obviously, like you said, my my thing works in theory, but my thought was they were going to have they're going to have AD play the strong side of Jokic because I feel like if you even if you force Jokic left theoretically, he'll just back he'll just back down Rui forever. Now, is it possible that AD can come? can just run straight to Jokic and just leave Gordon open, obviously. But so if they do play him on the weak side, then yeah, obviously that neutralizes the whole the whole idea of having MPJ in the corner. Um, but before we but before we move on, I just wanted to ask: Do we think that we get? Do we think that we're gonna get a Braun that is saying? Are we gonna get a are we gonna get a Braun that's looking to get forty and trying to win game two, or do y'all think we're gonna get a Braun that's like I'm gonna see how this game kind of kind of like game one where it's like I'm gonna see how this game goes and if it's close, then I might I might um put my foot on the gas. I think we'll see Braun give his best effort. I just don't know if we're I don't know if we're seeing forty point Braun this playoffs. You know, like he may have a game where he gets forty. I just don't know if we're gonna see it consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, that that burst that burst just isn't isn't there the way you would like to see it. You know that 
at three, he settled for against Jamal Murray. It's like, dude, like your, your team had a perfect yeah. opportunity, especially when Murray and, like, five. And to see LeBron James of all people settle for a three like that, when he's just known for making the right basketball play, whether it's unselfish or selfish, um, you got to think that maybe the foot is hampering him. Um, so maybe he can try to go for forty all he wants. I just don't know whether he's at this moment capable of doing it. Um, when we talk about the series like Denver, we talk about Denver like Denver lost. They got to come up with all these adjustments. But it was like that win yesterday was not a good win for them. The way that they they blew that leak, this it was looking a little crazy. I was sitting in the movie theater like, dude, what is going on? Uh, I I was worried that like everybody in the group chat was getting all excited because they was making a comeback. So it was like, yeah, Denver's up one zero. But that's not an encouraging win if you're Denver. And I, I think Michael Malone has had like alluded to that in a press conference. He he wasn't really happy in his, his post game presser because um, that that just wasn't a good win for them, especially if they they want to be like that, the team to win it all this year. They they got to string together four quarters um, and be able to adjust the adjustments that are being made against you. I mean, you can't come out of halftime thinking that the Lakers are going to start running the same defense after Jokic had almost 20 rebounds in the first half. Exactly. You know. Anticipate adjustments. Anticipate them on the court. As a coach, you got to anticipate the adjustments and put your players in the right position to succeed. Um, and so I think they'll come up prepared for the adjustments in game two. Uh, I'm thinking Darvin Ham probably figures something out defensively. Maybe it's maybe it's something completely different than what they showed in the second half of game one since Denver's already seen it. Um, maybe give Jokic a different look. So you never know. But but I'm I'm interested. You know this this is probably going to be a good series. That's why I got Lakers in seven. I'm hoping it goes seven. Um, for me, uh, when it comes to this series, it's hard for me to predict um, the end result. I think I need to see game two, which isn't fair because we need prediction. Um, but for now, I say Lakers in six or seven. Um, CG said it like just now. I think Darvin's ability to adjust in game. This was gonna help him out a lot. Um, we'll see how Mike Malone, you know, retaliates. But he had a lot of time. He had a lot of time left in the game where he could adjust it. How they changed the defense around Jokic. Um, I think they start Rui next game, but I also see Jokic in forty-three points. You can quote me on that. I got the script ahead of time. Um, now, when it comes to Aaron Gordon, I think that yes, removed from the dunker spot. But rather, I say put the ball in his hands and run some four or five pick and roll action. Hmm. Um, but they switch. They're going to switch. They're going to switch. Um, give it to Jokic. Be back on AD. And I think that'll help. That'll help. Kind of, what's the word? I guess get him out that, that Neutralize, maybe. Crazy. Yeah. Said neutralize, maybe. Yeah, I don't say fully neutralized. It's still AD, but it would help a little bit, I think. Now, I don't hey, think we're going to take 300 more off the dribble and get a dunk every time. But I think just having that action rather than say, hey, you sit next, you know, below the block and dunk a spot and wait for the ball to come to you. It's much more, uh, I can't think of words to use, but it's much more. Yeah, I mean, we, we saw it last year. Murray, Murray off ball as well in that situation, too. Yeah. We we saw it last series. Steph is one of the best players of all time, so I don't want to make it seem like anybody can do this. And but like Anthony Davis is one of the greatest defenders of all time. And if you make his job easy, he he will like like we saw yesterday. He can bring his, his team back into the game. Right. Like make him move on the defensive end, get him involved in the action, 
whether it's Jamal Murray and Eric Gordon picking roles, if that's who AD is on, or if you have Jokic, Aaron Gordon, Aaron Gordon, Jokic, like get him involved, get him out of that spot. I, I like that you said that. Get him out of that spot where he is comfortable and he is able to affect almost every shot. It is. It is because he can get he can get from the rim to the free throw line for Jokic jumper instantly. He can get from the, the rim to the three point line. Like even if you say Anthony Davis help off of Aaron Gordon, he helps off of Aaron Gordon. He's that great of a defender where that wingspan. If, if he sprints back out there, he can still affect the shot somehow. You know, yeah. so get him involved in the action. And we saw Steph kill him in the mid range in a couple of those games last yeah. last series. Um, so if you get Jamal Murray, Jamal Murray might just have that one of those games. You know, we've seen it. I mean, he has the ability to go for 30, 40, you know, yeah. and he can kill you in the mid range as well. So get Jamal Murray involved in that mid range pull up. And uh, don't, don't let him buy his time helping off Aaron Gordon in the paint the whole game, you know. But yeah, they did well last game having that double pin down and uh, it's called the Spinulis. Um, I mean, I, I think that's what it's called. Um, when Jamal Murray would come up from the baseline and come with the free throw line or the three point line, catch the ball and shoot, that handoff thing also works for him. Um, I think just look at the entire team itself. I'm say Jokic was limited to what two points, two assists, and two rebounds in the fourth quarter. It's crazy, right? I think. Hmm. Moving forward, I look at Michael Porter Jr. This is now the chance I think he has to step up because defense focuses on Jokic after Jokic is Murray. Now we're looking at you. All right, he gave, what, 15 points or something like that yesterday, I believe? I think so. Yeah, three threes. Yeah, three threes and 15 points. You got to keep that up. You can't have no dud. They're looking to you just to be that person, hit those shots, to attack closeouts and things like that, even attack the glass. I think he had 10 rebounds also. Um Offensive rebounds will be big for the Denver Nuggets, I believe. Um, like I said, we'll see. We'll see, though. Uh, when it comes to Braun, Braun won't be Braun. You know, Braun. Was um, not going to dominate, but 38 and 8. I think he had that yesterday. I, recently, I forgot we had 38. I think, no, I, think he did, I think he did. I think he did. Yeah. Um, that's not too off. I, I don't see him doing 40, but he's going to have a down game this next one, I believe. You also got to take into account. They were in Denver. Now, I've recently been in Denver, and I understand now. I always thought it was like, they was making that up. Like, all oh, the elevation is throwing you off. I'm like, y'all high-level high athletes. Like, just just who? It's different. Um, so, given that, and the way they were able to come back, I, I definitely got the Lakers uh, in favor, I'll say for now, in favor. I they, had a lot, they had a lot going against them, and they still almost won. Like, Denver was hitting every three, too, so it was crazy. Even the crazy shots. No, I agree yeah, with y'all saying yeah. when y'all say that LeBron's not – y'all don't think LeBron's going 40. I should have rephrased it a little bit better, but when I say 40-point LeBron, I just mean like like the Bron, like the Bron we saw in like – I know this is a few years ago, but the Bron we saw in like game one against the Warriors in 2018 that's just kind of like I'm not losing tonight. Like that Bron. I'm not saying that's going to get you 40 or 50, but that's just like I'm not – Are we good? We're going to get – like LeBron from game six from like against the Warriors, that Bron. Mm. Are we, we going to see LeBron the like best player ago. on the floor for the Lakers? Because we game. haven't really seen that as often in this series. You get one game. The rest of the one game. That's fine, but I'm yeah. saying, no. do you do we think we'll get that Bron for game two? Because I think you need that Bron for a road win. You don't need that Bron at home because AD's finally like 
put games together. Like AD had forty and ten yesterday, but I don't, I don't, I don't know if he'll be the best player, but I think it will be spurts at times where he looks like the most dominant. Like I think it, like I know the lasting image of Murray on LeBron from Game One is going to be that three, but I think he did a really really good job attacking Murray. Like I feel every every. LeBron initiated to the role. They were they were they were going after Murray. I think he did a good job. And he, what he had fifteen and six assists like in the second half. I think he did a good job. I, I think going into game two, we'll see more of that hopefully, and that may result in a thirty ball or even more. But um, I don't I don't know. I, I, I yes, I think we could be doing for a game where LeBron has the largest scoring output for the Lakers, but it's. I, th- I think I think he I think he did a good job already. Like I, I just think it's more so he has to just continue what he did in that second half moving forward. Yeah, yeah. You see, you seen that over the past few series. I think they did the same thing with the Warriors, where they had kept switching to Ron on Curry, and Ron was driving every time. Yeah. I don't know if they did it that much against the Grizzlies, but I assume they Desmond Bain. It was ice. They was uh, picking Desmond Bain apart, had Ron driving him. So that just seems like to be a reoccurring thing theme. Um, you know, if they make it to the finals, Kyle Lowry, I'll leave it at that. But they can't do it against Marcus Smart. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how that, how that strategy um, evolves in the future. All right. Well, we'll move from Any, kind of- Anything else? Yeah. Uh, I feel like this was the main event series, really. It's the series everybody cares about, the Lakers and the Nuggets. Yeah. But uh, Celtics, you, gotta you know. Let's talk about it. Celtics drop game one, you know. It happens, you know. Happened last um, series. That doesn't surprise us, does it? I don't really have much of an analysis from this game other than the Celtics didn't really play Missoula ball, man. And it's like people criticize Missoula ball, but it's like when they don't do it and they don't win, uh, I'm, I just know he's in the locker room saying, look, guys. <laughs> Um, they didn't get up as many threes as he would have liked. The one thing I will say is um, Peyton Pritchard minutes in the first quarter. Yeah, we got in the it. second half. I don't, I don't see the reason for Peyton Pritchard playing as often as he did in this series. Like I'm sure he he would have. There, there should be some spots for him. Sure, you know he's a bucket getter. He can create his own shot. Change but the, the way they were using him, yeah, yeah, the way they were using him oh. in this game though as an off the ball shooter. You can literally put in Sam Hauser to do the same thing with better defense, you know. Or Grant Williams. Um, like, if you're going to put Peyton Pritchard in, let him be Peyton Pritchard. You know, let him try to create his own shot and stuff. But they put him in like the offense was – we had 30 points in the first quarter, and they put him in the game like we needed offense. <laughs> yeah, uh, for, my, for, my, for my Celtics fans, I just want to know, is there – why did Grant Williams get a DMP today? That is the question that we are all trying to figure out. I don't know what I don't know if Grant did something to Joe Missoula. I don't know. I don't know. JG um theorized that is because we're not trying to pay trying to pay him a whole bunch of money in the summer, but I don't see why you would want to do that right now if you're trying to win a championship. But if that's if that's Grant the politics, had, that's the politics. Grant hasn't really played that much since I want to say game three, game four, since I think the game after he got his head stepped on. He hasn't played that much since then. Um, If his shot isn't falling, his spot in the rotation gets a little wonky. 
because he's a four. I mean, you want to play him in the P.J. Tucker role, but if he's not knocking down shots, um, basically for you on the offensive end. But um, I would have preferred him to go in the game over Peyton Pritchard, I can tell you that much. But the person I would have really wanted to see get minutes is Sam Hauser. But I don't know why Peyton Pritchard was the selection. I mean, and you already had an underside yeah. with uh, Derek White. I and then Derek White and Peyton Pritchard in the game at the same time is a bit insane to me. You know, that's two people. Then the hunt. Derek White is all defensive team. But it's like he's not doing really anything with Jimmy Butler. That's what I really didn't understand because I'm like, you have Peyton Pritchard and Derek White out there. Jimmy is going to hunt either one of them. He was definitely hunting Derek White from the little bit that I that I saw Derek White out there. <clears throat> so it was just like, why why are they both out there at the same time? I agree with GCT. My bad. I love Peyton Pritchard, but he's only played eight games since March. Mm. And I think majority of those games have been in garbage time. And Joe Missoula threw him into the fire of game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. That is like, listen, that's, that's unforgivable. Man. And we can't even say it's because of the zone. Because like, it's not like we weren't breaking them down all, all night and getting to the room. I feel like to play devil's advocate, I feel like if Missoula felt like he needed Peyton Pritchard at some point in this series, the moment that he did put him in was probably the only time he could have played him because we were already winning. Um, so it was like, all right, get some shots up, get your confidence up because we may need you. Later in the series. But I don't think we needed him. That's <laughs> that's my issue. So I can see that he may think that we may have needed a break. So it's like, all right, put him in the game when we're already winning. But I'm like, dude, we didn't need him. We got a taller version who you're going to play in the same role. Plus, like, Brogdon he's not and Smart playing were both in the whole game for the most part. And it's like, if you're going to play him, don't play him with Derek White. Like, man, but you live and you learn. Um, I'm interested to see what adjustments Missoula makes in game two. They'll probably take about 63s next game because um, they probably didn't get enough up for his sake. But uh, shout out to the Heat. They performed, but they had a lot of players who got 15 a day who – May not get 15 the whole series. Um, Kyle Lowry had 15. Caleb Martin had 15. Um, I want to say Bam had 20. Mm. Um, there's somebody else who had 15. So, I mean, these players are all capable of individually. Had 15, had 15. They all had 15 in one game. Um, Gabe Vincent had 15. Max Struess had 15. So, Man, all of these yeah. players had 15. All of them had 15 in one game. It's almost like, all right, all right you guys got us. Um, Jimmy's going to do what Jimmy does. That's what makes him a real threat because he, he's going for 30 every night almost. I mean, you, you almost got to hope his, his shot is off and that he's not as aggressive because he, he will have those moments where he just doesn't have the shot falling and then he'll look at somebody else to do it. But he don't, doesn't have Tyler Hero to do it, so he probably won't even look anywhere else. Quick, that's, the, that's the only thing that scares me for game two because I feel like Missoula might overcorrect and say – we're gonna let Jim. We're going to give Jimmy basically if give Jimmy anything he wants. We're gonna play single coverage. We're gonna to try to keep everybody else from scoring fifteen, like CT just said, and we're gonna let Jimmy get fifty if so. If and if so, so be it. Um, I do agree with CT obviously that we're gonna throw up a whole bunch of threes. I think that this basically is just Philadelphia all over again, where you just you played well to start out, then you came back and it was like. 
Third quarter, everybody was sitting there like, what's going on? Because they literally, they were beating the zone. They were beating the zone the whole game. Marcus Smart, I was ready to come on here and talk about how Marcus Smart played like the quintessential point guard game. He looked like, this may sound blasphemous, but he sent, he looked like prime Rondo slash CP3. Just from a playmaking standpoint. Just from a playmaking standpoint. Because he was, he was... He was throwing dimes. He was finding people in the right places. That's not crazy. Robert That's Williams, not crazy. Robert Y'all wasn't Williams watching. Was doing his thing. He said Rondo. No, I know. I know. He had, he had 10 assists in the first half. Rondo. He had 10 in the first half. Slash CP3. From a playmaking perspective, I'm not talking about scoring or anything he, like even that. Even if you name one of them, <laughs> you name Rondo slash CP3 for playmaking. That is a playmaker on top of playmaking. Okay, so he, if you would have okay, said, if you would have said, Rondo, Brian, is that okay? Is, is Prime Rondo didn't, okay? He had lobs that he made to Rob Williams. Them lobs to Rob Williams were crazy, man. He didn't see that lob. Pinpoint that accuracy. lob he threw was. No, no, no. He, he threw it from the three point line. He said, on the money. From the three point line. Bam Adebayo was here and he couldn't get the basketball. Like, it was. They said it looked like a hook shot. When you look about that, when you watch the accuracy was. It might have been basket interference. I came home and I seen that. He barely dunked it. Like, Rob Williams barely. He was right real close. Yeah, it might have been basket interference because Marcus might have just threw the ball in the rim. That's how good of a shot, good of a pass he was. When I saw the highlight start, I thought Marcus Smart was going to accidentally throw it in the rim because he'd be doing that. But mm-hmm. I saw Rob Williams dunk the last second. Y'all tell me he got a pinpoint accuracy. Nah, he, nah. I mean, Bam was this close to what Bam was like in the play, but he couldn't even like tip the basketball because it was such a good pass. But you know, Bam, he don't really be doing twenty points a game. He probably tied for real. But. See, but the thing is, Bam, Bam, Bam scoring twenty doesn't surprise me because he knows that he's going to have to be offensively. He's going to have to be their second option guy. This like this isn't like last. Last year, we're like, Bam could skate because other people were scoring. Like, Bam's going to have to score 20 for them, to, 15 to 20 for them to win win games because we've seen a lot more aggressive Bam this playoffs. Um, but, like I said, I expect us to throw up a whole bunch of more threes in game two. Um, game, one was, game one was definitely scary, especially because I'm sure if you look at the team, at the team stats, I'm sure I wouldn't be surprised if Miami beat us by at least like 15 points. And a three in the three point um, margin, just because we again we weren't getting up as many threes, but we were getting to the lane every single time. Um, so obviously, like with outside of Bam, because obviously outside of Bam, they don't really have any um, rim protection. And even when Bam was in the game, Jason and Jalen were still going to the rim every single time. The only thing I'm 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 worried about, um, kind of like last series, you know, my X factor was um, the Celtics focus, and again, I think. I mean, it was prevalent today, as you could see, um, the tail between two halves. Um, so I think just attention to detail, defensive intensity, um, and just overall, just overall focus. I think would be the biggest things that um, I expect them to correct in game two. Um, I had Celtics in seven um, as my original prediction, so obviously I'm going to stick to Celtics in seven because I felt like we would. Just like last series against Philly, like we would drop at least one game that we that we should win. Now I don't think we can afford to drop two two games this series because Jimmy Butler is not going to Jimmy Butler's not losing a three two lead. I'll just leave it at that. So we cannot afford Jason to Tatum drop also, another bad game. No, I agree with you, Brian. Also just to say he's more than seventeen shots. I'm sorry. 
But I just felt like late in that game, he was just doing way too much screening and not getting the ball. Like, it, there were some you know games I mean? though where he was like, trying to do too much, and it was like trying to go one on one, and then it. That's another thing. We got to stop trying to go one on one, especially against the zone. Like, I understand we were getting to the rim at will, but we got to continue to move the basketball because once we started running that, I understand that CT always says it's an ISO game, and I understand that. But against that zone, when they started trying to go one on one and they weren't moving the basketball. And, and, you know, cutting and moving and things of that nature. Miami was getting turnovers. They were getting out and running, and they cut into that lead very quickly, which helped them score, helped them get that 50-point three-quarter, that um, third quarter that CT's been talking about um, for the last couple of hours. So that's that's Yeah, I will, I, I will say that it's a bit disappointing when you only get 29 threes up and a team play zone for a substantial amount of time. Like, that is your opportunity to get them up. But like you said, they were going one-on-one a lot. Um, but we have one-on-one players. So it's like you can't really expect too much uh, zone breakdown from Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. That's just not their game. Uh, you would ex- hope that they would realize that they would get better shots if they would continue to move the ball. Um, Jason Tatum only took three threes today. It's not enough. Um, Jalen Brown took six, one for six. Everybody else, they weren't really getting them up, really. Um, yeah, I think Brogdon was the only one that was a, that only, that probably had more than two. And they paid, well, no, they played Peyton Pritchard for twelve minutes. They played Peyton Pritchard for twelve minutes. He only took two threes, missed them both. So it's like, What's what are you on? even out there for? Just out there getting cardio. I thought you wanted to score. So it's it's cool, you know. Hopefully, Missoula adjusts. Miami, but my thing is, they should have known that Miami was gonna. Throw out his own in this series. They do this every series. Do every year. It's like this Plus is they something weren't, they weren't going to play you, man because they don't have the people for. capable to stay in front of Jalen and Jason. Yeah, so it's like the team should have been prepared for man and zone. Um, and these are professional athletes at the end of the day, so they should know what to do whenever they see. Any see type but, of zone. but that's but that's the thing. Our, on our level, we'll know what to well, do. So when we see a two-three zone. zone. Yeah, so it's like, but CT, that's the that's everybody the thing. knows they, to get the shots up. But that's the thing; they were beating the zone in in the first half, like when when Marcus Smart was doing what I was saying he was doing. Like keep they were yeah. they were moving the ball, they were cutting, they were passing, they were getting to the rim. They weren't shooting a whole bunch of threes, but even but there were a few times where like Brogdon would have open threes. I think White hit a three and things of that nature. But the point was they were beating the zone. In the first half. And then that's when, like, I don't know why they deviated from the game plan, but they were beating the zone in the first half. And maybe it's just because Robert Williams was out there and not Al Horford. So having that rim pressure um, helped. But I don't, I just, I don't know why they weren't, why they weren't able to continue doing what they were doing. Because it's not like, to me, from what I saw, it wasn't like Miami made, like, crazy adjustments. But they just, they just couldn't handle the zone at some point. I don't know why. He, he they might have to go back to the. Just one more time. I forgot what you said last time. I mean, Chris the man, Paul, the man Rondo, had Rondo. he had nine yeah. assists for one half. He had nine assists and no turnovers in the first half. So he was playing the quintessential mm-hmm. position, quintessential quintessential point guard to me. I went back. They may have to. They may have to go back to the one big lineup for this series. <laughs> would um, you be? Would you have that one big be raw? They may have to. Um. Yeah. I, I don't think it matters as much, but to have them both on the floor to start games and to start the second half, I feel like you could see some slow starts because if they're running zone, you probably want Rob 
uh, not Rob, you probably want a fifth shooter on the floor just to continue to like have that threat of a shooter. And, you know, Rob Rob was doing his thing in the first half, but if Marcus isn't able to play make for him as well as he was in that half that we saw, um, a lot of his points are just going to come off offense rebounds. And I think it, having that fifth shooter on the floor more consistently. So I'd probably start Al. Um, but, I mean, it. we were doing just fine with it in the first half. So I can't even say that the lineup was the issue, but – I think against zone, you probably want to have five shooters on the floor. Now, I, the, I, time. I agree with your point, CT. The only reason why I'd say that Joe probably doesn't go away from the two-big lineup is just if he's worried about um, the rebounding battle because obviously they have Kevin Love and Bam Adebayo out there yeah. starting. But I, I don't disagree with your point if you want to try to put, like, say Brogdon out there because I don't know. Because if, if I put Derek White out there to start, Jimmy Butler is – Attacking him from tip off. Yeah, and it may just be a starting lineup thing because Kevin Love only played 16 minutes. So I mean, the the mirror the minutes can be mirrored in a way. Yeah. But uh, I just think we need to have five shooters on the floor more consistently. Uh, I mean, I Pete Pritchard just can't be one of those five shooters. I'm Damn. sorry. What were you gonna say, JB? Um, I didn't get a chance to to fully uh, watch the game. I got home kind of late, but I will say before I got on the call, before I got home, I was talking to my coworker, and I was saying that um, we're talking about how the Celtics just can't have two consistent games, two consecutive games, which they're bringing energy, bringing that focus, like you mentioned, Brian. And I was saying that it's because we have a team full of young vets, mm. still young players. They've been in the league for a while. They have lots of experience, but they're still young. Um, we have Al, of course. After that, Nate Griffin. Muscala, I think they're only people over 30 or 30 or over or whatever. Yeah, that's probably um, it. And not getting no PT. Um, but, again, like I said, I don't have much game analysis. I will say Eric Spolstra is great at in-game adjustments. I don't have that same feeling about Missoula. Uh, he's more of a game-to-game. Uh, or he'll make, he'll make general changes, but not really specific strategic things. Um I, I still say Celtics in seven. I'm biased, and we have more talent. I don't know when Harold's supposed to come back, but whenever Tyler Hero comes back, right? Because um, Jimmy Butler, he, he's going to do his thing for sure, and Harry Spolster is going to do his thing. And they have the talent to, not talent, sorry. They have the skill sets to match up with our players. Um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, Tatum might have to put on another performance. If, one of these six final games, but um, that's all I got on that. No, I, I agree with that point. Um, well, whether we make the finals or we lose, I do have a take about the Celtics bench um, in terms of the staff um, that I have an idea about. Because I don't think, I, even if we miss the finals, unless we just get swept, I don't think Missoula was like in coaching jeopardy. So, but I do have a, I, I do have a thought about that because, as you say, he's not really an in-game adjustments guy. So, I think that could partially be based on the people he has around him because he doesn't have as, as much experience. But I'll hold that take for later because I, I have an idea. But he's also a rookie. You got yeah, too. yeah. I mean, I, I agree there. I'm just saying. I, yeah. But just like because even like Darvin Ham has like veteran veteran staff around him. Yeah, he does a veteran staff. And Darvin Ham has been assistant coaching for a long time. Too. Yeah. 
So. No, I agree. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's just. Um, but yeah, I, we'll leave that take for later, depending on if the Celtics make the next round or not. Um, <laughs> CT, I don't think we got your game uh, prediction, like series prediction. I guess we got Celtics in six. Okay. Um, losing this game um, kind of makes me want to say seven, but I've my thing was Celtics in six before the series, so I'm gonna stick with it. Got it. Nate, I know we didn't really let you like explain too much, but you know. Nah, I was I was just thinking back on the game at least. Um, okay, I guess to give a recap, I thought Miami. I thought it was. I thought you know. I was always. It's always people looking at for first games, right? Uh, Gabe started off on Jalen Brown, which I think was reminiscent of the Milwaukee series where they had on Milton at times. I believe Love started off on Horford. But the thing that stood out to me from the get-go, at least, and this is big for Miami, is that Bam has to be aggressive. And I feel like night and day, he looked a lot better compared to when they ran into the when Boston last when last year in the conference finals versus now. Absolutely. The work on his dump had a toad. I think for Miami and State, like their points of pressure have to be um, at Rob Williams' Uh, and uh, or for specifically when Bam has the ball, um, I think it was sort of the game too. Like I, I thought, I thought Miami. I'm sorry, Boston for the most part did a good job in terms of the looks they were giving Jimmy and Bam. But I think the story of this game was like no matter what looks that they got, they were aggressive. Like Jimmy just had some great coverage. I don't care. I'm getting me a bucket moments like to close the game out, and he was huge for them. Uh, Let's see. For Boston, what's going to be big is drill penetration. I thought there were several moments where it's Tatum had crucial drives in the back, and I think that's going to be huge going forward. Um, I like the wrinkle that's supposed to be at least to counter, uh, you know, um, Boston's ability to switch, and a lot of times Smart being switched on to Jimmy Miller. If they ran a double screen roll. They uh, they ran a double screen roll, whereas the second. Um, it allowed for at least for because usually in that first guy that's take to be loved at times, and essentially him being able to fake forces Robert Williams to have to play in between the passing lanes or like committing to him. Whereas that second pick and roll guy just kicks it to the corner, so he drags the defender away. And Jimmy at times has, um, you know, like a lot to work with. Uh, also, I think something to look forward to is Marcus Smart being the role man in these pick and rolls. I think he has a really good ability to stop um, on a dime, like in a little paint after receiving the ball. And there were times where he looked off Jimmy and he was able to get guys open looks because he's just that good. Like he has that athletic ability to just like like stop and then look opposite. And he's just he's a smart basketball player. Uh, I think that'll be the point for contention. And I know Marcus Smart and several other players related in the game, like. Actor wasn't there for the full forty-eight minutes, but uh, I think that's a pretty good story, right? Where it's they just got to—they got to the, the best way for them to shred that zone is really just moving the ball into infiltration, um, and we'll see how they uh, how that zone will hold up going into game two. But the story of the game really is just Bam and Jimmy saying, "I don't care about the matchup. I'm going to be aggressive." Like they were aggressive from the jump, and it made it made the difference. That's the biggest thing that always worries me with Miami. Well, Boston in particular, but just along with focus, it's just, it's, you know, every time you play Miami, you're getting the best effort. 
And they always love to talk about how, like, they play with undrafted guys and all that good stuff. And obviously, like, if you lined up the pedigrees based on draft position, obviously the Celtics got, like, three top three top six picks. And Miami's got Bam, who's a lottery pick, Jimmy, who's a first-rounder, and I think Kyle Lowry's a first-rounder, if I'm not mistaken. And then, like, everybody else yeah. is just, like, second-rounder undrafted. So, it really – so, that's ah, the biggest – Oladipo. Oh, Victor Oladipo. Forgot. Victor Oladipo, top top three pick. Um, we got, and we got Al Horford. Was it he? Oh, yeah, Al Horford's Horford. the top three pick. So, we yeah, have four, no so we have four guys five. in the top six picks. Five. Blake Griffin. Forgot. Well, Blake Griffin don't play. I'm not counting Blake Griffin. But... <laughs> Neither do Oladipo, but we counted him. Yeah, well, Oladipo's hurt, so Ted, I think Oladipo will be playing minutes in the series if he wasn't hurt. So I, I'm counting Oladipo. Yeah, not no, count don't even get Nate started on Oladipo. Now. <laughs> you count Tyler Hero the third. Back to episode one, man. Oh yeah, Tyler Hero was a lottery pick too, so another guy. But the point, but the point is, if you put it, this is like this would be the perfect talent versus effort type situation. Um, if you're, mm. if you're just uh. uh Making just a basketball casual. argument. What were you gonna say, JP? My bad. I think it's if you're a casual. I'm sorry. Well, no, because if well, if you're a okay. casual, you're like you would probably just say the Celtics are winning because they got more talent. But I don't know. But basically, the point would be the point would be if you're gonna beat Miami and most likely whoever's coming out of the West, you gotta be you gotta be locked in and focused, and you gotta bring effort every single night. I'm not gonna sit here and say the Boston didn't bring the effort because they definitely did. But losing your focus from the first half to the second half that easily, especially against a team like Miami in in games that you know you can't afford to drop because they they have the te- they have the experience and they understand the moment. Not that a team like Philly didn't, but just when you have Harden when you have Harden as one of your important players, you're not, and you have Doc Rivers as your head coach. It's, it's a little different than having Eric Spoelstra and Jimmy Butler. So. It's just a situation where I'm a little concerned. I'm not like over. It's not like game one with Philly where Harden gave us 45, when we were, and I was like, I wasn't panicking, but I was like, okay, what's going on here? So I'm, I'm still encouraged a little bit because we were, we played pretty well for the most part. It's just that got to get game two, and as I said in the last series with Philly, you got to get game three to put the pressure back on Miami because if they go up two one. Game four is going to be very, very scary um, if Miami goes up 2-1. Boston's got something, though. Like, I, I just think the biggest takeaway from them on offense is the little slip actions that they have, and they're kicking, and then initially the ball move. Like, movement's going to be the biggest thing for them. And I think Miami, they showed it in this game, but I don't think they're fully adjusted to the movement that Boston's doing off-ball compared to, you know, like a, a Milwaukee, for example. Um, it's there though. Like I, I, there's several acts before uh, either Smart or JD is the role man. They have to slip, and then from there, the you know that would just clap immediately off the path. Um, it's there. They just they just have to be really conscious of it. I think they kind of broke down a little bit at the end, but um, yeah. I think Boston knows more than that. I think this has to be a series where they speed Miami up. Exactly. Uh, I, got- I think Jimmy is caught. Jimmy Jimmy's cognizant of that too, and it's shown by his aggressiveness. But he's not he's, he's not selling for anything. He's he's working. But I think Boston knows like thing. If it's a seven game series, I think that plays in their favor a little bit more. Yeah. No, I agree that if we're locked in defensively, that's good because 
early in the game, we were locked in. We were getting out and running, and we were getting them on back backdoor cuts, um, just all types of things because they weren't able to set up their zone. And I think that might be part of the reason why we were successful against the zone. But we were doing a hot, but as Nate said, we were doing a whole lot of moving, cutting, passing, all that good stuff in the first half, whether it was in the half court or we were in transition. So, but I think if we if we lock in defensively, um, even though Jimmy's going to get his, obviously Bam's going to get his. If we lock in defensively, I don't see why we why we lose this series. Just that's just me personally. Okay. Well, let's let's hope they can keep that laser focus, because uh, we know how yeah. it goes. We got the ebb and flows when it comes to the Celtics, man. Uh, yeah. He's rhyming yeah. With it, <laughs> I was about to say, it seems like it unless it's, unless mean, elimination, unless you're like facing elimination, they can't. Like you said, they can't do it for two straight games. Oh. Oh. But again, y'all can tell us how y'all feel about the series too. I mean, um, we got comments section for a reason, so we leave it at that. Let us know what y'all think, man. Um, we catch us on TikTok also. Let us know on Instagram, Reels, uh, Twitter. Um, let us know. Let us know, man. We definitely want to have some arguments, some debates with y'all, too. So y'all part of the podcast. For sure. But uh, sure. I think all in all, I think that's pretty much it for today. Uh, like, so you talked about the draft lottery. We talked about, you know what I'm saying, Ja, Demetrius. Um, talking about East Conference Finals, West Conference Finals. Um, who's going to get that Larry Bird trophy and that Magic trophy? That's, that's what I'm trying to figure out next. Um, so stay tuned for that, mm. too. Oh, Nate, before, have a... before before we like completely finish, what was your uh, serious prediction? I don't, oh, I, you might have said it. Possibly uh, in Boston in seven. Boston mm. seven. Okay. My bad, JB. Yeah. No, no, you good. I'm going to use that. I'm going to say Boston is seven. We're going to say WTP and 5432. Um, all right, y'all. Thanks for y'all tuning in. Um, I'm going uh, to say, what, stay tuned for the next play. Yeah, man. Stay tuned yeah. for the next play, man. Stay tuned for the next play. Yeah. All right, y'all. Peace.